Thank you for listening to Depictions Media Radio. Welcome back, everyone. Okay, it was really cool when you run into somebody who does a lot of the same work that you do, and you get to trade shows. So, anyway, I'm talking about Lori Brooks, and Lori Brooks also has the small business show with Lori Brooks. And that show showcases a lot of what entrepreneurs need to succeed and help them grow their their small business into something that actually helps change communities okay so the show was originally launched as a podcast in an effort to help entrepreneurs share their stories and create new business ideas they Lori now has over 100,000 listeners and has hosted previous guests such as Susan Bennett, uh, John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire, Bernard Schooner, the creator of the RFID chip Pat Flynn with small passive income and many more have been added to her list of guests and show the impact that her show has had so we're going to have her a guest on our show and hopefully uh, she'll have me as a guest on hers so let's see how this goes well, let's welcome Lori to the show. Lori 
Lori, it is exciting to finally meet you. <laughs> We've had a few phone calls and and everything, but it's like to actually get to meet you is like this is this is like really cool. So, um, I know that doing uh, especially doing a TV show, it takes a lot of work, a lot of planning, and everything, and uh, so much stuff has to go behind the scenes, and probably even tons of fundraising, you know whatever it takes to, to get it out there, right? So why don't we start with how how did you get started doing this show? How did you get started on this? Certainly. So the show originated as a podcast many, many years ago, back in uh, 2013, 2014. I launched a podcast and, you know, recorded a couple of episodes with different guests. And I was far too nerve-wracked. To release any of those episodes <laughs> so <laughs> it was you know another year or two of you know hemming and hawing over whether or not i was actually going to launch the the mm -hmm. podcast um before i actually moved forward with doing so and i really launched it as a marketing tool for my consulting practice with financial advisors so again even though the the show was launched I wasn't truly marketing the show. I wasn't really, you know, promoting it to anyone. I wasn't realistically sharing it beyond the, the tiny little community that I started off with, um, you know, amongst other financial advisors that I knew just as a podcast that was kind of sharing the journey of entrepreneurs in general. Um, once I had the show up and running and it was a regular feature, I was then asked by someone if I was interested in turning the podcast into a television show. And I was taken aback and quite surprised by the, by the opportunity. Um, and upon further review, realized that it was actually an opportunity that I could launch and proceed with in a solo manner versus going through the network that was looking for a contract of which I wasn't necessarily too excited about. Um, I didn't realize that the opportunity to launch a television channel was something that I could self-produce. Um, and once I realized that it was, it was something that it took some real planning and, and uh, you know, studying to figure out. Uh, but then I, I moved forward with launching the Roku channel and it was about six months later that I then launched the Amazon channel. So, wow! So you're on Roku and you're on Amazon. So we are. That's correct. Potentially, yeah. somebody could 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 look for the small business show with Lori Brooks on their Prime. That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. They can just tell their remote to turn Lori Brooks on, and I will appear magically. <laughs> I like that magically. Uh, the I, I, you know what I love about the internet now is is that all these electrons gather together and poof, there you are. I know it, right? <laughs> so zeros and ones are pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oops, we better not sound too much like techie geese because somebody might get the wrong idea. Right. <laughs> I know, right? Reel it in, Lori. Reel it in. <laughs> I'm not that techie. <laughs> I try to hide it sometimes. So, 
Um, oh goodness! I know for for myself that that um that I do a lot of lot of my editing. Do you, did you have to hire editors and and like crew to 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 help you out with this? So I've actually gone through a couple of different editors, to be honest. Um, when I first started, I was really fearful of hiring an editor. One of my personal, uh, one of the ways that I move through business is to personal knowledge prior to payment. So before I actually hire on a contractor, consultant, or a team member, I make sure to kind of take the time to actually learn the skill myself. Be This way I know what it is I'm actually paying for in the end. Be it web development, video editing, marketing, whatever it be, I try to gain that knowledge myself in some way, shape, or form, even if it's the minute end of it, you know, just to have a 30,000-foot view of the skills and the the processes that will be used in order to produce whatever it is I'm looking for. So I started off creating and editing a show on my own. Um, I did hire on a couple of different editors that I felt did a decent job, but I personally was inconsistent with my production in general of the mm-hmm. show. So it made it really difficult to work with contractors if I myself was not being consistent with what I was doing. Um, so I've definitely swapped back to personal production a couple of times. And now as I'm growing the team, we have hired on you know a production assistant who does help in the back end here and there with different pieces of the show. But the majority of the shows have been personally produced. And I unlike yourself, am not at all versed in the audio editing. <laughs> so I'm going to apologize now for all the horrific episodes I've ever produced with like the worst audio possible. Because <laughs> it was, it was, you know, self-production for a long time. And the audio piece is one thing that for some reason for me, I just can't seem to tweak it ever, Michael. You have far more skills than I do there, buddy. Let you know that. <laughs> I, I I could I could tell you the the the, the secret to that and um, depending on how back in the old school of of of, uh, of R and B and hip hop music you actually go, um, yeah. I I could I could throw a couple names out there in and say that they helped teach me by slapping my hands, <laughs> but we're we're not gonna go that way. <laughs> Um, because the the audio thing, uh, it I started to, my first uh, my first job actually doing audio was in like 1990. Wow, that's yeah. awesome! So you can think of who who that's some awesome. of the uh, hip hop artists were then. And, I'm gonna have they, to just do some studying of you now then. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, trying to grab that personal knowledge again and, and eventually figure it out. because yeah. no, so. um, you, you said you were also in the financial world and you and you like to learn and learn and you've had, you've had so teachers and coaches are probably some some of the things that you it, that you've also had along the way, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So I am in the financial world. At one point, prior to actually consulting. I was an associate financial rep, so I was licensed with my life accident and health insurance licenses. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease in 2009. And at that point, to me, having a corporate overhead of any sort was just not an ideal option for my personal journey. 
Um, so at that point, I began helping other financial advisors that I knew that were in the industry that I knew needed, you know, a little bit of back-end assistance in some way, shape, or form. And that evolved into the consulting practice that I'm now running today. Very cool. So um, it isn't just television glam and glitz. It's also um, real financial planning and, and, and the numbers and, and the plans that go along with that, right? Well, for the financial advisors, I'm not actually doing financial planning for them. We do operations and procedures to grow their financial practice. So what I'm doing is really putting their business together to help them grow so that they can actually scale and move forward in their own yeah. financial services practice. So growing from an individual sales advisor uh -huh. to a management wealth advisor is is really the path that my clients take okay so how did you how did you go for, go from that to creating um something that's that's actually seen in in your community with over a hundred thousand viewers and listeners um again it was you know the the interest in the podcast itself the attempt to start there with kind of the marketing tool. Mm -hmm. And then the interest was brought on by another network host who, again, had kind of introduced me to the idea of hosting a television show. They felt that the podcast would be a great transition into a television show. Um, I personally was extremely nervous about it. <laughs> I'm extremely camera shy, Michael. I know it may not come across that way, but <laughs> the, the anxiety is so real. <laughs> and, and so, you know, for, for quite some time, it actually started off as just, you know, the audio podcast just being, you know, still shots, images, little pictures and so forth. And it really took me some time to kind of work up to being on screen. Um, and even to this day, like literally, Micah, I'm going to be so honest, just because I think it's important for people to really understand the, the entrepreneurial journey and the reality of these things. Like before you and I got on this call, believe that I was sitting here like, okay, did I finish my makeup? Did I finish my hair? Do I look okay in the camera? Is my screen looking all right? Like it's still having that minute level of anxiety because i think it's a realistic thing for a lot of people regardless as to whether or not you know i'm doing this on a regular basis it's not something that has disappeared it's something that still remains but you just kind of work through it as you move forward so yeah yeah no it was really just a it was a podcast and through the interest and you know the the introduction to it um, I then recognized that a Roku and Amazon television channel were things that were very easily uh, produced and things that I was capable of managing in the same manner that I was producing the podcast, only it was going to provide a far wider reach, um, you know, in a global manner versus, you know, mm -hmm. the real localized manner that the podcast had been. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, um, I'll I'll fill you in on a couple of hints that um, the the person on the other side of this camera is an introvert, and it's like, <laughs> oh my god, you got to keep like make sure everything's just straight the right way, so that when I get to the editor, I can yep quickly get it done. Um, so, okay, a hundred thousand plus. And still growing audience. 
How'd you do it? Yeah. Um, Becoming consistent. Becoming consistent really was the key. Um, For many, many years, it was stop and go, stop and go, stop and go. It was, you know, okay, produce a couple of episodes, but then not taking the time to research the new guests, to have those lined up, to continue producing episodes. So it was, you know, it was getting pieces of the process in place. And as each piece kind of got molded and got, you know, solidified, it was easier to move on to the next piece. And the final piece was kind of putting all of those pieces together to remain consistent. And once it became a consistent production of the show, uh, that's when the audience really began to grow. That's when I could really see that the algorithms were picking it up and that there there was a true audience behind the show yeah, itself. Yeah. Um... What was more important to you, your expectations or the audience expectations? The audience, definitely. Um, I think, of course, when you start the show, it was nerve-wracking and it was really central in your own head. You kind of stick to yourself. You're like, okay, what should I be doing? And blah, blah. But once you stop and kind of reframe and look at what it is people are looking for the information on, you really start to listen to the audience themselves. Once the audience is there to listen to, then you can actually serve in a manner and understand what it is they're looking for and then kind of gear it towards what they're looking for, which I think really helped to grow the show. Um, you know, in the beginning, it was more, what do I want to create an episode about? What do I, what am I looking to create an episode about? You know, it versus what's going to serve the audience best and, and which angle will this episode take to help the audience the most? Yeah. So I think that really was the catalyst for the change. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that leads me to, to some other things because, because, you you hit the nail on the head. The audience is like I asked the question, knowing that th- knowing that that you were going to respond back with, "Oh, the audience is what's more important." Right? <laughs> so, um, research into the audience and research into how long did how how long did it take you to to get that part done so that you knew you were going to attract you what you were doing is going to. Can, what you were doing consistently would attract that audience? That's a really good question. That is a really, really good question. In the beginning, I had absolutely no idea how I was going to pull it off. And I didn't actually have a plan for it either. Um, again, it was lack of knowledge as to who I was even going to have on the show. Um, so again, you know, this idea struck, decided to start it as a side project, and then it grew. But the way that I really solidified who the guests became was in the beginning, it was hours of research, hours and hours of research, which is partially why it was difficult to be, you know, remain consistent because amongst, uh, you know, my clients themselves, I have a daughter, I'm married, you know, uh, aside from life itself, you know, really trying to take that extra time to do the research into the guests to make sure that the guests were going to be serving the audience. It almost didn't exist in the beginning, and it was really difficult to find people and to find, um, you know, the right people to have as uh, guests on the show. Over time, what I ended up doing was partnering with several public relations representatives. So these PR reps already have clients who 
have reputable practices, who are looking for that extra bit of marketing, who are looking to share their journey, and who are looking to provide that value to an audience. And those PR reps that have now partnered with can now bring their clients to the show to provide that aspect to them. So that's how I've now solidified the steady stream of, of uh, guests that appear. Yeah, yeah. So leveraging is a, is a good thing, right? <laughs> there you go. You know, I had to delegate that research out. You know, I had to get rid of it and get it off my plate. And, you know, I'm sure anybody from my audience, if they happen to be checking out this episode, um, they'll, re they'll be very familiar with, you know, the, the 4D strategy, which I use my clients is to delete, delegate, dominate, and delay. So we're either removing it from our plates handing it off to tools tech or, or a team member or streamlining it in any way shape possible whether that means you know batching or templating or scheduling it out so that we have a, a designated time and date that we're we're managing things and with the free strategy it was you know one of those pieces that really helped for me to look at the show and say okay what pieces of the show do i really need to hang on to and what pieces of the process can i really delegate out and how can I go about delegating those pieces out without taking on yet another enormous factor in my own practice? Um, so definitely partnering with your resources and knowing, you know, what those resources are and who they are is is very important on this journey. And, and so by partnering with several different PR firms, I, I now have, you know, a steady stream of uh, guests for the show without my having to invest as much research as I once was. So, right. right. Um, that leads to 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 the next to question of message because you you covered a lot of a lot of those little itty bitty questions <laughs> in in that. Um, what what are you trying to teach people? What do you want them to learn? It's the journey. The theme of the show is to hear the journey, find the challenges, and create solutions. So, really, my hope is that the show is bringing the entrepreneurial journey to the average person to make them recognize we're all average people. Mm -hmm. Entrepreneurs are not amazing. To, you know, we're not wizards. We don't have magic wands, although I love one. We don't have them. <laughs> we are average people. We, uh, you know, we go to the grocery store or, well, I used to. Now I order everything off of Amazon, for Christ's sake, thanks to the pandemic. But regardless, <laughs> we're people. We do the same things that other people do, you know, and I think sometimes it's funny, like people seem to think that entrepreneurs have like some secret trick that they've used. And it's really not. It's it's a decision making process. It's a decision to make the decisions in your life to take ownership and control over your life for one reason or another. Unfortunately, a lot of the entrepreneurial journeys that I've heard of have been birthed out of some sort of trauma. You know, I myself, as yeah. I mentioned, was, you know, my journey was birthed out of the fact that I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And at the time, I was put on an unpaid medical leave with a young child. And as you can imagine, that's not something you can sit back and wait for someone to decide that you're capable of creating an income again. You kind of have to take charge of life. And that's really what the journey of entrepreneurship is really all about. It's about taking control of your journey and directing it in the manner that you want for it to go. And my hope is that the show is really showing the reality of that. What the journey likes, whether it be the hiccups 
or the sunshine, you know, the, the highlights and what it is that can help them throughout the journey. And then the close of the show, I'm really hoping is allowing for other entrepreneurs to see what kind of challenges might truly exist in other spaces, industries that they're not thinking of, that they might have an idea to resolve, whether it be a SaaS model or something to that effect, a business idea that they can then take on as their own entrepreneurial journey and kind of inspire the next phase for somebody else. Um, and, you know, we never know where those ideas come from. We never know when they're going to be sparked and for who or over what. And if the show can hopefully provide that opportunity for somebody to hear something that, that piques their ear to the next great business idea, that's that's what the yeah. show is there for. Well, in, in – um, oh, I clicked over and it's not what I wanted to see. Oops. Um, yeah, it is actually – I think it is here. Um, in – the because uh, I, I use part of, part of your of your notes um, mm -hmm. in to introduce you to the show, and yeah. there was a creator in here, uh, Bernard Schooner, PhD, and he yeah. created and you and you had him on your show as yes. as this creative talent. Yes. Bernard was such a great guest. That was an, a, an outstanding opportunity to chat with him. He actually started off right here in Massachusetts um, when he, you know, was putting that together. And that was, it was funny. I happened to um, run into a magazine article that had Bernard Schooner for a completely alternate reason, mind you. And you'll you'll so appreciate this, Michael. And this is precisely what I mean about like the entrepreneurial journey and being introduced to the most random ideas and the most random moments. So I studied violin for eleven years with New England Conservatory. Bernard Tuner was in a magazine posing with an electrical violin. It's the first one I had ever laid eyes on. I didn't even know they existed. I was so blown away by the picture. I had to figure out who he was, get in touch with him and do the research. Little did I know, this is the, you know, creator of the RFID chip, which we all use globally at this point in time, you know. And yeah. so it was just, it, he he happened to be here in the city of Boston doing a presentation. I, uh, you know, took a couple of minutes to pop over to the presentation, introduce myself and, and just asked him if he wanted to be a part of the show. And he literally was like my third or fourth person to ever interview i can't even tell you how how nervous i was during that show <laughs> and how do you no tell those nerves when, oh, when they goodness. when they pop up like that because you can't let them see yeah. it see you can't let the audience see the nerves on camera so how do you exactly how do you do that how do you control it um breathe i breathe a lot now <laughs> i slow down yeah. Um, there was a, a point in time, if you look at my older episodes and so forth, or original interviews and things of that sort, I used to talk a mile a minute. And sometimes I still do. Um, and that's how you can tell when the anxiety is kicking up. So that's a hint to anybody who ever even checks out my show. If you hear me speaking 300 miles a minute, that's that's me having that that raised anxiety level so is it hidden no is it 100 percent controlled no not by a long shot 
But is it something that other people would recognize had I not mentioned it? No. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So you just smile. Smile and breathe, guys. That's all it takes. <laughs> <laughs> you, you sound like, uh, what is that movie, Madagascar? <laughs> <laughs> smile and breathe. Well, okay. So, oh, so it sounds one. like it sounds like Bernard Woods was probably one of the highlights, uh, one of the better better moments of your show, regardless of the anxiety building up or not building up. What was Definitely. what was one of the the hardest interviews that you ever had to do because it was you're just trying to drag drag it out of the person. Hardest interview probably was one in which never was aired. Mm. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. <laughs> I think I think there's there's definitely been numerous difficult interviews. Um, and yeah, I agree. The the more difficult ones are the ones where you're pulling that that response out, where you're helping to carry the story. Um, especially because my show is really designed to share the entrepreneurial journey. I'm opening it up for people to share their story. So when I'm asking questions of my guests, I'm generally looking for them to share that story. And I've definitely had guests who come to the show and the answer is a yes or no response. And I'm not really sure how they are going to be capable of sharing a story with yes or no responses alone. So those, those do turn into the pulling of the information. Um, I think there's also been interviews where I personally have had, you know, bouts of, of cross moments during the episodes. And I've had to literally like pause, excuse myself, tell my guest how sorry I am of, of the moment that I'm managing, you know, and these things do happen. And that's something else that I, yeah. I hope the audience and, and people understand when it comes to the entrepreneurial journey, life is life. And you got to move through life the way you can move through life. There's definitely moments of, of you know craziness that occur and not everybody's perfect not everybody's journey is going to be perfect my journey definitely has been far from what anybody would be able to consider perfect um but i think definitely the more difficult episodes either get kind of shelved because i know that they're not really going to serve the audience in the way that they should right. um or the you know audio on my end is just horrific and i i I'm not, you know, capable of getting somebody to repair it for whatever reason. Um, yeah, those would be the 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 more difficult and and the harder of the episodes. I would say. Yeah. Um. You said you said about Crohn's, right? And mm -hmm. um, one of the, one of the shows that we have on on our end is um, is about. Um, human rights and we use it to try to advocate for for people especially people that have a disability now some would say that Crohn's is a disability and you described it slightly as that although you kind of glossed over it you do, right. haven't really gone it dug, dug a hole in the, in the whole Crohn's thing so how do you how do you deal with it if you have a flare-up how do you how do you continue on with the show um, truly, the, the if there's a flare in the midst of an episode, that's that's very different. Um, I may very much so pause and tell my guests that we'll come back to recording at a later date and time. 
Right. But the way that I maintain the consistency now is by planning, preparing, and keeping it produced far in advance. So recording the episodes and having them produced long before they're actually going to be aired on TV. Um, so they may be scheduled out three, four, five months in advance. So even if I am having a hiccup, I have more than enough time to come back and, and get the next episode out and done. That's, you know, I, I, my hat's off to you on that one because I know <laughs> I know how you, how you just start to build, get that backlog built up. And it's like, uh, yeah. which yeah. the backlog in, in this particular case is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just right. um, like the, the other day for, for us, we had uh, somebody in New York City who was doing a book launch and we realized that he had got caught up in the backlog and that we were actually going to, we were recording the show like days before his book launch and it was important yeah. to get the show out the day before the book launched, <laughs> it's like, okay, so all right, we gotta we gotta figure this out, guys. How do we do this? Yeah. So, so the backlog is a good thing in one respect, but it can be mm -hmm. like, how do you how do you decide who to push to the front of the line if you have to, or who to like? Okay, th this one can wait. Um. Well, I produce on a bi monthly basis, so as I record. People are scheduled. So people, once I do the recording, they generally receive their air date within 48 hours of the recording being recorded. Um, so that this way they know where their episode will fall. And then they can let me know if there's a specific date that they'd like to align it with. And because I produce on a biweekly basis, it's somewhat easy for me to just push an episode to an alternate date. Um, and if need be, if there is somebody that happens to have an episode that I do need to, you know, alternate an alternate episode for, I generally will reach out to the alternate guest and just make sure that there's nothing that they were particularly looking to align it with mm -hmm. so that I can go ahead and move that alternate episode. So whether it's myself or an admin that might reach out to make the scheduling, um, you know, there's generally a, a consideration if in fact somebody mentioned that during the time of their recording. Um, if we've recorded the episode and produced the episode, it's pretty much scheduled and done. And, you know, at that point, it, it's really aligned with my production schedule versus where they'd like to see the episode go. So it's really dependent on whether or not we're given the information uh, pre-production. Right, right. So. Yeah. No, that made, that, made, that makes sense. Um, the... The, the question that I have have next though is how do you how do you how do you s screen people out what 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 does your process look like to screen people in or screen them out so originally the process was just research in general um, then the process became the uh, I actually placed a paywall in front of the show. Um, in front of the actual sign-up page to become a guest. Um, this way, not everybody could just jump up and want and and become a guest. Um, it wasn't really to monetize the show. It was to prevent people from 
jumping onto the show. So that was one of the first ways that I started yeah. screening. Um, from there, again, it would be, you know, I might have people pop on at the schedule once in a blue moon, but again, it was difficult to uh, really take the time to screen through every single person that might actually sign up, even if there was the paywall. And that's what reverted me to um, hiring an admin and actually then partnering with the PR firms because now the PR firms have actually done all of that research and homework and they're aligning their client with the show because they know that it's a good match and they already have the description and the understanding of what my show is looking for. So it's a far easier scenario now um, than it once was. Yeah. The, the, the pre-vet, have somebody else pre-vet them for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely, <laughs> yeah. definitely. 100%. Delegate that job out, though, guys. Yeah, that, Delegate that one out. You don't need yeah. to hold on to that one at all. No. You might need to host the show, but you don't need to sit around and like, do the research <laughs> on the guests. promise you. Yeah. So. Prevention of nightmares is better than trying to put out the fire of the, of, of the nightmare, right? <laughs> 100%. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, what's... If there... If, if there was um, a a earth shattering or community driven message, what would it be? Start now. Be patient. Believe in yourself. I think those are the most important things that I've heard throughout my own journey, mm-hmm. and the most important piece is that. I recurrently am telling others on a regular basis. Yeah. Start now. Don't wait. Don't wait. Because eventually most people get that itch at some point. Don't wait. Be persistent. Be patient. Know that, that these journeys take a lot of time. A lot of time. The, the patience is the most important piece. And know that, you know, you think you can or you think you can't. Either way, you're right. Just know that you can and continue. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, That is very true. You know, (laughs) the the results are are between our two ears. Exactly. Exactly. Um, As an entrepreneur, you know, we we have this, this, um, this ability and also the responsibility to, to make certain changes Mm -hmm and mm-hmm. to help our community grow um in at times maybe even mold that big view of of our uh, of of our world and our universe um what what are you trying to mold our world to look like especially considering you have children mm-hmm. what are you mm-hmm. trying to what, do, what are you trying to make our world look like I would love to see independence be something that everyone can enjoy. Um, I feel very strongly that um, we are all very much so capable of uh, managing and creating our own abundance in life in one way, shape, or form. Um, Not everyone's is going to be the same. Um, but I think there's 
opportunity in the same age unlike there has ever been uh, obviously thanks to the advancements of technology um, and if you are patient and and just get started um, you can kind of take control over your own future and your own journey um, and I really want to see more people capable of doing so and capable of enjoying the lifestyle that is that comes along with um, the entrepreneurial journey overall. Yeah. So I I'm blessed to admit that thus far I feel like I'm doing a decent job and my daughter is well on her way to being an artist. She is uh, graduating college this year with her uh, doctorate in photography, art history, and painting. So I'm super wow. excited about that. And you know, she's already doing commission works and things of that sort. So I clearly have inspired and started something. Now I just need to make it that much bigger. So we'll see. There you go. There you go. All right. So um, best ways to find your show? at boybrooks.net you can find us on Amazon or Roku if you just tell your remote to turn on the small business with Lori Brooks show or pop over to YouTube we're on all platforms we're also on all of the podcast platforms as well so pretty much anywhere just look for loriebrooks.net yeah alright and if we wanted to work with you how would we do that uh, again just popping over to loriebrooks.net or you can go to links loriebrooks.net and my calendar is on either page you can always just pop on free consulting fridays are every fridays on geneva in my small business community over there and i usually try to do 3 to 4 p.m where i give free advice and feedback and help on whatever those marketing pieces and so forth might be so definitely don't hesitate to join the community pop on over on fridays i'd love to see you guys there and and yeah other than that loriebrooks.net yeah all right so thank you, uh, thank you, Lori, and thank you everybody for listening or watching today. If you're on Rumble, uh, please find that subscribe button wherever it may be. And hey, because Lori has a show, make sure you go to Lori's show, check it out, and <laughs> click her subscribe button because hey, she needs listeners too, just the same. <laughs> 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 oh, Michael, you've been outstanding. I thank you, thank you so much for having me today. I really enjoyed chatting. You know, it's been a lot of fun. All right, thank you, everybody. See you later.
This show has been produced by Depictions Media. Please contact us at depictions.media for more information.